Well, our text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 22 to 23 and looking at this wonderful reality of Emmanuel, God with us. And the heart of Christmas is the wonder of Jesus Christ willingly leaving crown and throne and glory in heaven above to come into this broken, sin-sick world to save sinners. And we must never, my dear friends, lose sight of that. And over these last few weeks, we have been looking at this, this great biblical theme of light, heavenly glory breaking into the darkness. You know, the people in darkness have seen a great light. And of course, it is the Lord Jesus. It is the Savior. It is the one who would save his people from their sins. Now, friends, if you're like me, familiarity with these things can easily cause me, maybe cause us, not to treasure the gospel as much as we should. You know, as the, the themes of grace get more and more familiar and, and common, as it were, they, they don't capture our attention and wonder as maybe they once did. And now, though we may be familiar with this name, Emmanuel, I hope that it will be a, a prompt to remember and to rejoice in this wonderful Savior, the, the righteousness that is his gift and the transforming power of grace that we could never have earned. You know, we need to start by being clear on who Jesus is, who this wonderful Savior is, that he is God and that he is God in the flesh. You know, we, we can't be vague about that, about this fundamental truth. And, you know, the, the carols that we sing, they are full of this marvelous reality. You know, maybe God willing will sing later, Heart the Herald Angels sing magnificent words, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Or the words that we just sung together, made a man for man's salvation, yet eternal God is he born to save from every nation, from their chains, to set men free. We are confronted with God in the person of Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, dwelling amongst people. God the invisible, made visible in the person of the Son who took to himself this humanity. Now, these things are, are staggering. They are wonderful things. And we are called to gaze with the eyes of faith upon the Christ in his glory who humbled himself and came as a baby, the maker of the universe, having no place to go apart from a, a stall amongst the animals, the Son of God, adored by all of heaven and yet coming in relative anonymity. There's a staggering tension in the, the coming of Jesus between the majesty and the humility. And how great is the love of God that he should take human flesh to come to do that saving work to deliver sinners like you and me. And so this morning, let's look at this title together, God Come Down. And the names that the Bible gives to the Lord Jesus, they, they help us to understand who he is. And each title is rich with purpose and significance to reveal more about him, his character and his work. And so this one that we have before us, Emmanuel, is very precious. And in Matthew 1, Joseph is told that Jesus is, is fully God, fully man, and this one coming will be so much more than just a, a great teacher or a miracle worker. You know, he is going to be God in the flesh. 
And the angel quotes the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14, in Matthew 1, 23, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus, the fulfillment. God literally dwelling with his people. Now, friends, when you think of all the, the miracles of the Lord Jesus, the argument can be made that the incarnation stands as one of the greatest, if not the greatest. You know, maybe even greater than the resurrection. You know, when we think that the eternal, omnipotent creator of the universe took on human nature without any loss of his deity. You know, God became man. The eternal son became a Jew. The almighty stooped down and was willing to condescend to be a baby. You know, the babyhood of the son of God was a reality. You can't just, you know, skirt over that fact. And the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets, the awesome truth of the incarnation. And there are those, you know, they may have some awareness of Jesus and his claims, and they say, well, you know, I, I just can't believe in his miracles. You know, maybe that's you this morning. You can't believe that Jesus could walk on water or raise the dead. You know, there are those who have concluded that Jesus' birth narrative appears so dramatically supernatural that it is implausible. You know, they don't believe it themselves. Sadly, there will be men who stand in pulpits today who won't preach it. They've decided that the story will be more acceptable to everybody if they just remove anything supernatural or miraculous. But it can't be done. The story of the gospel is supernatural in its entirety. And not just at the beginning, because it is the story of the creator of the universe entering time, revealing himself as savior and king. And Christianity is ultimately meaningless apart from the almighty, miraculous intervention of God in time. That God has stooped down, that as God has come to meet us, but not at the top, as one says, of the, the towers that we have created on the strength of our own ideas and investigation. He came to meet us in a cattle shed in Bethlehem. He came to meet us on a Roman cross at Calvary. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are high above. And this one, Emmanuel, is the one promised. And See the prophecy fulfilled here. You know, in our day, the Bible is held in low regard by many. Its authority is questioned, its influence despised. But the Bible is the word of God. The God-breathed word in every part. And we either accept it as that or not at all. And if we lose the word of God, we lose everything. And that's so important because if we, if we question the inspiration and the integrity and the preciousness of the word, then how can we trust what it tells us about the Lord Jesus? As believers, we must receive with gratitude every fulfilled prophecy as evidencing the truth of the Bible. You know, if you were to go back following the fall in Genesis 3, God declared that there would be a savior who would bruise the serpent's head. They believed it and were saved. Then in the fullness of time, the Savior came, just as had been promised. Jesus Christ, our Lord, came from the excellent glory and fulfilled the word of God. And all the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning him are true. You know, I just said our Lord was born in Bethlehem, just as the prophets had said. From the family of David, just as the prophets had said. 
Our Lord was crucified exactly as the prophets had said. Not a bone of him was broken, just as the prophecies had said. He was raised again on the third day. All his words were fulfilled. You know, I've mentioned before, someone has calculated that for one person to fulfill all those prophecies works out at one in 10,022 billion. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled them all. All the promises of God in the past have come true. All the promises related to the future will come true. And so the title Emmanuel draws together mighty fulfillment of prophecy and gives us this strong foundation for being aware of who Jesus is, fully God and fully man. It is fundamental to the gospel. And if we go wrong here, we've lost the heart of the gospel. You know, the New Testament doesn't call any of us into the realm of blind faith or to take a, a leap into the dark. It invites us to take a step into the light of absolute truth. And in this supernatural space where God took on human flesh, we can be certain about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that certainty of what took place in those days, that is where we find our hope. And it is an unshakable hope. Emmanuel, prophecy fulfilled. And what does it tell us? Well, it tells us that Jesus is God with us. I've mentioned that. But if you were to think throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, God has made his presence known to his people. And in the Old Testament, the Jews, as God's peculiar people, had the immediate token of his presence by an appearance of glory and enshrouding with its divine brightness the holy tabernacle. Called it the Shekinah glory, the divine presence. And God was with them in that cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. It was a, a symbolic, extraordinary manifestation that God was with them. And that was to end with the first temple. But a new and more stunning reality was going to supersede the old. Another and more wonderful temple would enshrine the deity. God would still be with his people but God himself will come to dwell amongst his people, but it will be God manifest in the flesh. You know, the Lord Jesus is that one. He is declared to be fully God. You know, just think for a moment on the titles of deity that are given to him. He is called the first and the last. He is called the one who was and is and is to come. The Almighty, Everlasting Father, the Lord of glory, the Lord God of the prophets, the only begotten Son of God, the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, all of them and many more say that He is God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son who was before He ever came to earth. Now, if this divine essence and majesty was not His, you know, how could these things be said of Him? Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Or we give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. Or you are the same, your years shall not fail. Or Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. How could those things be true if he is not fully God? And you know, when he came, his deity was shown in the works ascribed to him that only God could do. You know, all things made by him. The Bible says, without him was not anything made that was made. 
By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether by thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him are all things held together. He upholds all things by the word of his power. His throne is forever and ever. This is the one who came. He who is before the creation has to be himself uncreated. He who is before all beings must be pre-existent. He who can create and sustain and govern all worlds and all beings and all things must be the eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, everlasting Jehovah. And all of this is ascribed to the Lord Jesus, our Emmanuel. Or think of the miracles of the Lord Jesus. You know, miraculous divine power extended as he healed the sick and restored the sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf and strength to the paralyzed. He fed thousands with a few loaves and fish. He controlled the elements. He demonstrated his power over death and the grave. He conquered his enemies. He rose again in mighty resurrection power. Who could do that but the Son of God? And also think on this. Did Jesus ever deny deity in the Gospels? Never. God alone is to be worshipped, and he received worship. He explained that he was one with the Father. I and the Father are one. He said, you know, before Abraham was, I am. You know, as he concluded his earthly ministry to demonstrate his equality in the Godhead, he said to his disciples, go out, baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, for Jesus to be the Savior, he had to be fully God as well as fully man. There is no salvation of sinners apart from this. To accomplish this rescue, to redeem sinners like you and me. And in all these things and so many more, we have this burden of proof that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is God. That he is King of kings. That he is Lord of lords. That at Calvary he has overcome Satan and conquered death and risen again and ascended from heaven. That he has led captivity captive. And from there he dispenses the blessings of his grace to people like you and me, even rebellious sinners like us, that God might dwell with them. And so when you come to gaze upon Emmanuel, when you look at that babe in the manger, you cannot but see all these other things as well, the very pinnacle, this, this wonder that God should step down in this way. It is the chief cornerstone, you know, the key that unlocks the, the deep mystery of divine love. You know, without this, there is no cross. As one explains, let faith take her place at the feet of Jesus to receive the kingdom of God as a little child, and then you shall be saved. There is, there can be no salvation apart from a belief in the doctrine of the incarnation of God for the salvation of man. And so this Christmas, we should become humble worshipers of Bethlehem. You know, we should be those who, who look to the fact that he had to come to that manger so that he could go to the cross and then to rise again in great triumph. And when we believe in him, these things become precious to us. Emmanuel, God with us. 
He is fully God. God stepping down, taking to himself human flesh, and he bridges this great chasm between us and God, between the infinite and the finite. And you know, it tells us, my dear friends, as we look at what this means for us, that our God is not far off, that he's not aloof, that he's not disinterested, but he is the God who has declared himself to be the God who is near. And this is demonstrated most gloriously in the Son of God coming to tabernacle to dwell amongst us. God has wonderfully taken the initiative and come to rescue us. And you say, well, what does that mean for me? What does this title, Emmanuel, what does it mean for me? Well, Emmanuel reveals God to us. You know, when Jesus came, he was revealing God to us in the most glorious and perfect way. You know, when we look at nature, it gives us glimpses. You know, it is awe-inspiring at times, but it is an incomplete and imperfect revelation. You know, as stunning as the sun and the moon and the stars and the beauty of this earth, though they testify to a wonderful creator and speak of the glory of God, they are limited in what they reveal. You won't see the full explanation of the gospel in the clouds alone. The pardon of sin or salvation or reconciliation with God. The truth of the gospel and what it is to be saved and, and set on a path to glory can only be learned as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's in the Lord Jesus that we find the way, the truth, and the life. You know, where do we learn most fully of the character of the Father? Jesus answers, he says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And Emmanuel shows us that God is a, a pardoning God, a God who is both just and justifier, a God who is willing to be lovingly reconciled with sinners through the saving work of his Son. Emmanuel reveals God to us. And Emmanuel is God with us in our human nature. You know, the Savior, as I've said, stooping down to take to himself human flesh, a body you have prepared for me, it says in Hebrews. You know, he has come so near to us, he becomes like us, yet without sin. And there is none like Jesus who can sympathize with all our weakness, who knows our frame, who knows what it is like to suffer and to grieve. Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God with us. And God with us to save. You know, Jesus didn't just come and be like us, but he did so in order to save us. To stand in our place to take our sin upon himself as our substitute. He was with us to save by giving himself in obedience. You know, think of that wonderful text, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He offered himself without spot to God, that we who are ruined with sin might receive a, a free and a full forgiveness, to be cleansed by the blood, justified by his righteousness, saved by grace. You know, friend, if he had not come, if he had not stooped down to seek and save, we'd be lost forever. There would be no good news. 
You know, the Bible's clear. After the fall, sin ruined us. We have no righteousness, no strength, no hope. There's no way we could make ourselves right with God. If God did not intervene, then we would have faced the terrible consequences of our sin, death and hell forever. But God in his grace and his mercy and his love was determined in his sovereign purpose to save a people given to the Son, and those purposes were accomplished by Emmanuel, the Lord Jesus. And that's why we've been saying all the way through this season, the message of Christmas is not just find the good within you. It's not just try harder and make yourself better. Make the most of your situation. There's no good news there. The truth of the gospel and why Christ came is the total opposite because the Bible says we can't save ourselves. Hope for sinners in darkness, for those who who know they cannot save themselves, is found in Christ. And the truth of this Savior is not about what we must do. It is about what he has done. And he came down into the dungeon. He came down into the darkness. He came down into our blindness. And he said, as it were, you failed. You've broken the law. You're unable to rectify your condition. But I save sinners. And I open blind eyes. And I release captives. And I bring light. I have done everything required for you. And so turn to me in simple faith and trust and you will see and you will be free and your darkness will give way to light. You see, if you have no better righteousness than your best efforts this morning, you've got no hope. The Bible says all our righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God, but throw those rags away and accept in repentance and faith the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all who believe. You know, why would you hesitate? Why would you not run to the Savior? Such a a wonderful prospect. And here it is in Emmanuel, God with us to save us. And then as we draw things together, Emmanuel not only reveals God and is God with us in our human nature, God with us to save us, but God with us in life. You know, if you're a believer this morning, you know, God knows our days. He has ordered them. Our sovereign God overrules in all. And though at times we struggle in our lives to see it in the darkest moments, he really is with us. And with a real purpose in everything that is happening, in every trial that we face, every sorrow that we feel. And that's why this wonderful title for Jesus is is so comforting because It gives us all that we need to face whatever this life may bring or demand. He is our shield. He is our friend. He is our savior. He is our Lord, but he is with us. You know, the one who has died for his people and saved them and will bring us through. And in Christ, we can know that this God is our God forever and ever. You know, as one explains, you have no need which from his infinite supplies cannot be met. No stone of difficulty in your pilgrimage which his might cannot remove. No burden which his arm of power cannot bear. No perplexity which his wisdom cannot guide. In a word, there is no condition to which Christ, our ever-present God, is not equal. And you know, those times when something happens and we are, we're crushed or we're taken aback 
and we ask, is God really in this? You know, is this part of his plan? Is he with me? When our emotions are hit and our faith struggles, where does our help come from then? It comes from the Lord. The one who has shown himself to be with us, who will never fail us. The Father's eye and hand ever upon his own, and the Son has promised never to leave us, and the Spirit dwells in us. I was showing the faith and soothing to the mind. You know, when we look at the, the, the sort of swelling billows, as it were, and the dark skies and the, the clouds, you know, filled with so much dread, as it were, and yet we see our loving Father in all. And we need that, that fixedness of faith on our center is the Lord Jesus to keep our eyes fixed upon him. You know, everything outside of our God is changeable and it will change. You know, nothing here is stable. Nothing is permanent. God alone is unchangeable. Heaven only is true. And in all the shifting scenes of this life, the believer is able to rest in the invisible hand that moves the whole. You know, we have to live by that faith in Emmanuel, God with us, and we, we look to him, and by his grace, behold providence with the, the eyes of faith, look to those things which are unseen and internal. And when things are hard, and when we're passing through trials and sorrows and needs, we need to remember that he is with us. And if you doubt that, look at the manger. He has come, Christ with us in our adversity and affliction. And so I ask you, you know, are you finding life hard this morning? You know, if you're in Christ, you can know that the waters will not overflow you because he controls the winds and the waves. You know, what is your present condition? Maybe your, your suffering is your earthly tabernacle, your, your body, as it were, is afflicted. Maybe you're in the midst of some trouble. Maybe you're being attempted in some acute way. Maybe grief has come, but Jesus bids you to come to him and rest in his love and in his care. And he would have you in faith trace this precious title and receive this strong encouragement which flows from the assurance that God in Christ really is a very present help in your time of trouble. The divine promises are given to us in Emmanuel. Fear you not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you with the right hand of my righteousness. He holds you and he will keep you. And he will keep you throughout life. And you know, we're in this world and it's touched by its brokenness. But we must not forget that in Christ, we are citizens of another kingdom. That our Emmanuel, the king, rules over everything that would discourage and disappoint us and he rules for our good and his glory. And what is out of our control is under his rule. And what we don't understand is under his careful administration. And when everything around us seems so fragile, so impermanent, his kingdom will have no end. And long after the kingdoms of this world have been destroyed, we will reign with our king in his kingdom forever. He is with us through life. And then as we finish, he is with us in death. You know, the time will come when he will call for the believer to go into his glorious presence. 
And faith has need to strengthen itself with this precious truth. It's a solemn thing even for the Christian to die. Even the renewed mind is often filled with dread at the prospect. But if Jesus is with his saints, it is most surely at that hour too. He will not abandon you then. You know, as one old writer puts it, did Christ ever guide his people's journey through the wilderness and then desert them at the margin of the cold river? Never. When the weary pilgrim nears the end of his journey, when the warrior has fought his last fight, then we shall realize as never before how really and closely Emmanuel, God in Christ, was present leading us through the dark valley and triumphantly up the hills of everlasting light and glory. God with us in life, God with us in death, and God with us for all eternity. And this Christmas season gives us further prompt to rejoice in Emmanuel, God with us. To know God is for you is a wonderful thing to sense his presence and even though life at times is dark and we know affliction and temptation, he is always with us, whether we sense him or not, unseen, unheard, unfelt, yet still Christ is at your side. And he knows your sorrow. He sees your difficulty. He's acquainted with all of your despondency and spiritual distress, and it won't be long before you know he is with you. And it won't be long before we shall know in full what we now know only in part. In his presence in glory, no more tears, no more pain, no more grief, no more sin, no more separation, only joy and glory. Our present light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is soon to be revealed. And soon when we are brought home in, in matchless glory and endless love, these present trials and afflictions will be past one breath of heaven, as it were. One hearing of that eternal song, one sight of the Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, will obliterate all the sad memories of the past and light up the endless joys and splendors of eternity. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't know him, what a tragic position you are in. How can you live ignoring this great truth of Emmanuel, God with us? You know, to live without Christ, to reject him, to face doubt, death without him is to, to miss the abundance of life and hope that he brings. It is to embrace ruin an eternity of condemnation. It is utterly devastating. To live without the, the satisfaction that your soul longs for. To die without hope. And I pray that by God's grace that you will be drawn out of that. And that you will be brought to see that the one who came as a babe in the manger is God with us. The Savior. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why not receive this greatest gift? Here's your opportunity this morning to turn from your sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and you'll know life and life forever. Emmanuel, God with us. Praise his name. Amen.